My name's Steve Jackson, I'm in the main chair, as usual. Uh, I've got Mr. John Bonneton with me. Evening, JD. Now then, you okay? Yeah, we're doing good, mate. We're doing good. Uh, I've got Mr. John Cutler, live from the bedroom. Evening, John. Evening, fellas. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it, I mean, you can keep the title for now, but um, our favourite Geordie, uh, Mr. Steve Dixon's with us again. Evening, Steve. Good evening, fellas. How are we doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, you can keep the title for, for now. Um, might have to change in a, in a few weeks. I'm sorry. Um, oops, right. So we're gonna um, we're gonna talk because I want to mention with you because it was a it was a massive win. It was a great way day. Um, we'll briefly talk about Huddersfield because that was awful. Uh, and then we'll talk about our new appointment. Um, the Michael Carrick, Walls End's finest. Sorry, Steve. Um. It's um yeah, apparently signed a was it a three year deal to join the club. He joined two and a half years. Two and a half years. There you go. Um, joins alongside Jonathan Woodby and another member of staff that's yet to be named. It was released to the fans yesterday. Um, spoke to the press today. Uh, we'll speak about it and then we'll preview to Preston on Saturday. So lots to talk about. Let's get stuck in. Um. JD, we were at Wigan on Wednesday, it was, it was last Wednesday, um, which obviously turns out to uh, be Leo's last week in charge. Um, it didn't look likely in that first half, but once we got stuck in, we got that that goal, and then obviously kicked on in the second half, we were just too good for him, weren't we? Uh, yes, we were. I mean, um, to be fair, Wigan were very poor on the night. Um, I, I, and I just thought that uh, once we got the equaliser just before half time, there was a, a visible rise in confidence. Um, but there was a, also a, a lot of optimism at half time in the concourse. You know, people were, were buoyed by that um, goal just before half time, and everybody was up the second half. and like you say, we come out, we look far more confident that uh, the fact that we, um, we we pegged their lead back uh, and we dominated the second half. Yeah, it's become, it was becoming a very familiar sight on the way, did the, uh, the sound of a little cheer from the from the seats and everybody in the concourse flying back up to the seats because um, <laughs> I missed the good first goal. Halfway, I admit it, I was, um, I was a bit peeved at what I was watching, but... Um, no, it was a it was a massive it was a massive second half. It was an unbelievable shift from the lads. Um, I thought I thought the one that impressed me the most though, JD, was um, I know we talk about his work rate all the time, but I thought Duncan Watmore was absolutely unbelievable on Wednesday night. Yeah, he was. Um, like you say, his his running, his work rate is you get that you you expect that from him because and he'll give you that, but. Um, he he was just he was just our creative player that that night. Um, his we, we got our equaliser. His namesake um, sort of missed it. What I thought was a, a fairly routine interception. Our what more pounced on it, um, steadied himself, took near near the byline, looked up, and, and put a put a ball into Jones Jones first time. Um, 
rolled it wide of the keeper into the corner. And like you say, from that point, our our players seemed to sort of get a great deal more belief. Uh, and we came out uh, in the second half and we were largely untroubled. It was it was a, a dominant display, second half. It was. Um, I want to give one big shout out to Hayden Happy. You know, his first goal Wednesday night, and you know you get them moments where the ball pops out to the midfield, and you just go, you just say, take a touch and twat it, and he did. Like, it's, it's not often that you see a midfielder do it and then put it in the back of the net, but as I say, I stood there, I went, take a touch and bang it, have a go. And I know he went on to Ben Amos, and I know he should have you know, possibly done better, but the joy on his face when he ran behind the net in front of the away fans, he felt exactly how he felt, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I thought that the bounce just before the keep, just before the outstretched arm of the keeper was, was what sort of um, spoiled it for for the keeper, you know. I'm not saying he would have got to it, and I'm not saying that that he was uh, he was poor, but it bounced just in front of him, and that's always awkward for a keeper. But fair play to him, Hackney, you know, having uh, having the guts to try try a shot from that distance, and um, like you say, he was overjoyed as we were when it went in. He was. It's a the joint, the joint, all their faces. Because one thing that, that really stuck with me is all, all, all the players, outfield, outfield players, they all celebrated together. So it was, it was quite, quite a moment where they were all together, and it was, um, yeah, it was a good night. It was a massive three points. Um, I think we'd both agree. We'd probably both give what more man of the match, wouldn't we? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think so. I mean. Um... Yeah, he was he was our spark that night. I mean, he got us he got us he created the the equaliser. He got his own goal, um, and he, he he was just busy all night. And um, yeah, he, he was the spark for our for our performance that night. He was. Um, as, as I say, at, at the end of the night, obviously we thought that'd be it for Leo. Um, I think Leo thought it as well because he was a bit. Um, I know he's emotional at the end of games anyway, you know, with his, his chest pump and his, you know, fist in the air and all the stuff. But I just thought it was a bit more on Wednesday. I thought, he, I think he thought maybe that was it for him, but it wasn't. Um, but, right, who wants to talk about Huddersfield? No, thanks. <laughs> no, it's a silence. <laughs> the one thing I'm not to talk about, I'll, I'll, um, I'll come to you, Steve. The team came yeah. out. A few strange... Decisions for me, but I say Paddy came back in for um for Crooks. Obviously, Crooks got his fifth yellow card against Wigan. Well, Hayden Hackney came out as well, and I thought that was a bit of a strange one again. Um, yes, I agree. I was disappointed um, with the changes, to be honest. Um, McInerney and Moat came in. Obviously, one change enforced with um, Crooks being suspended with his booking, which was a shame because I actually thought Crooks had probably his his best game of the season at Wigan. He was a bit more like himself, unlucky not to get a goal. Again, another silly Bookings cost him. Um, but I, I thought McGree and Hackney would have come in. And I was a little bit surprised, sorry, not Hackney come in, but McGree would have played with Hackney in house and in the midfield. And I was a bit surprised to see McNair and Mode come in because, um, like we said last week on the podcast, actually, 
we don't need to be chopping and changing the side as much for me, especially after a 4-1 win. You want to try and settle it down, keep the same side together. Because I was quite impressed with the uh, second half at Wigan. I thought it was much more like my old self, much more belief. I thought levels had, had been raised and uh, Zaya Jones was a bit more like himself. As John said, Duncan Watmore had a really good game. Um, and and Hayden Hackney, you know, I said on the podcast, was it last week or the week before, he's a, he's a young lad. I haven't been massively impressed with him so far. Um, he's done okay for me. But I did think against um, against Wigan, he had a really good game, not just because of the goal. He offered a lot more energy in the midfield and did well. Um, so I fully expected Hackney to start. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the changes were a little bit of a, a surprise to me. And I did see on last week's podcast that I was fearful that if um, we hadn't appointed a new manager in Michael Carrick or whoever, we might not get the bounce. And I, I said, if, if, if Carrick's in charge, we'll win. If Carrick's not, we don't get the bounce. It might end up a draw. And, and it did. But what disappointed me was everything that was good against Wigan's second half wasn't there against Huddersfield. The play was slow. The passing was slow. The tempo was slow. And they were predictable. They were ponderous. Um, I think the stats were two shots on target, three corners in 90 odd, 95 minutes, which is really, really poor for a home side. And I come away from that game, actually, with, with me dad, going nil-nil, clean sheet, we didn't lose the game because we were awful today from start to finish. And there were some really, really poor performances from big players. The performance from Isaiah Jones on against Wigan on the Wednesday, it was the complete opposite to, to Huddersfield on the Saturday. He was miles off. He was miles off. And I love Isaiah Jones, but he had a shocker. Uh, we, we missed Matt Crooks in the midfield. The players that come in just didn't work. The, the, we, we must be the, the, the graveyard for strikers. We'll keep changing with strikers every few seasons. And I've come to the conclusion that it can't always be the strikers' fault because it must be something with the way Middlesbrough play because we're by strikers who are scoring goals at other clubs, whether it be abroad or, or, or from here. And they come to Middlesbrough and they're starved of service. They don't get the they don't get the correct service, and I've heard a few cries now that Muniz is a bad player. He shouldn't be playing. The same with Akpom a year and a half ago. The same with the Sombalonga a couple of years ago. Ashley Fletcher, and you go on and on and on. I don't believe all these strikers are really really bad players. I think the way we play fundamentally doesn't suit. Uh, you know, strikers. We don't create enough chances, and I think the midfield's a big issue for us. They're not, they're not positive enough. They haven't got the energy. They don't create enough chances. They're not box to box. They don't have shots from outside the box. Hackney aside, which was great against Wigan. We just don't do the, we don't do the basics. Um, and I think we've got a, I think Michael Carrick's got a, a big job on his hands to, to, to transform our midfield because they're much of a muchness. And um, like I say, against Wigan, I've come away with it. And I thought positives were clean sheet. Didn't get beat. A win against Wigan, you know, a draw against Huddersfield, four points out of six. 
let's get this new manager done and dusted and, and, and move on. And, and that's, that, that, that's literally the only positive I could take because there's nothing in the game that we can go back over and say was worth a mention. In my opinion, it was really, really poor. Yeah. No, you, you got you're on about strikers there. I mean, um, look at uh, look at Balogun in France. I think he's having uh, quite a good season up to now, isn't he? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 the, and the standard uh, that he's playing in in um, in the in the top French league will be will be on a par or slightly better than the championship. Yeah, we had the Mecha who did the same as well. We had the Mecha alone from Man City, and he's now a German international banging in the goals abroad. It's, it, it's, it's happened time and time again, John. And as I say, there's a problem at the club when it comes to strikers. It, it, it's strange because managers change, systems change. But this problem's gone on. I think, I think is it Bernie Slavin, the last Middlesbrough striker to score 20 goals, 20, 20 league goals this season? Is Bernie Slavin? I mean, that tells its own story. No, you're right. It's, uh... Gosh, it does. <clears throat> I say, strikers have come close. Obviously, we've had... Bamford's come close, Yakubu. I, I used to love Yakubu. Um, you saw his guarantee 15 goals a season, but you could be right. I mean, the thing on Saturday, the second half of the out of the team really starved our creativity. I thought I thought it was really positive on Wednesday night. I know obviously Crooks was was forced obviously with him being suspended and he's obviously one of our really positive players going forward but I just thought if you take him out and they take Hackney out I just thought it was really cool from from the coaching staff I won't just blame Leo you know all four of them picked the team um, yeah. I just thought we were we were taken back a bit and like you said there Steve our creativity in midfield that's it's a huge problem they say Carrick's got a big job in his hands to turn that around I think definitely I mean I think the last few weeks on here, we've all come on and said when we look at the starting lineup, the vibe's been the downbeat vibe because we've looked at the starting eleven and disagreed with it. And you know, like I always say, twenty thousand, thirty thousand Borough fans all can't be wrong when they look at the lineup, and that's happened too often lately. Where we're looking at the lineup, going, "What's going on there?" Hayden Hackney, as I say, after his goal, and you know, he must have been buzzing with confidence. He had he had the start. He had the start on Saturday. Yeah, I think I think that's where the I suppose the inexperience of the coaching staff came in because I say anybody that went Wednesday night watched Wednesday night and then once he turned up on on Saturday was you, you had to you had to pull him in. Um, so that was that was quite a bit of a disappointment. And um, was it? I'll come to you, John. Um, live from his bedsheet. Um, the referee, I, I don't like talking about referee. Uh, they don't get any better, but he missed a few on Saturday, didn't he? Did he? Do you think they were Stonewall penalties? I'm not so sure myself. Oh, I thought I thought the one more one was. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think the game's game's gone a bit soft, mate. You want free kicks and penalties given for literally anything? It was never a handball. Not for me, like. I just think it was a it was a poor performance all around on Saturday. But if you'd have said it was last week, I know a lot of us predicted six points. If we'd have got a nil-nil draw at Wigan and smashed uh, Huddersfield 4-1 on Saturday, we'd well be near happy. So I'm happy with four points out of six, no matter what the performance was on Saturday. There you go, that should be good. 
it's all about opinions, mate. It's all about opinions. What, what, can I ask you, lads, what you thought of um, the challenge on what more from the keeper? I was right behind it, John, in the, in the north stand, right behind it, had a great view, and I thought it was a red card. Now, I don't know if that would have been a penalty or not because the whistle had gone before he clattered him, but it was a really dangerous play by the goalkeeper. For me, he was so high. I think he knew what he was doing as well, by the way. I even think the goalkeeper heard the whistle and thought, I've got a free one here. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I thought it should have been a red card, but... That's just my opinion. I obviously have got the rose rose tinted glasses on, but I thought it was a really, really poor challenge. And I thought what more was lucky not to lucky not to be stretched off. I, yeah, I agree. Was I was just going to say it, it, it was reckless, and I agree with you, um, Steve. That uh, I, th- I think the, the the keeper could have easily pulled out, but he just followed through with it, and uh, it it deserved uh, it, it deserved a red for me. Hundred yeah. percent. If it wasn't offside, that that was going to be a penalty. Yeah, I think I think the um, the ball, I suppose, falling dead. You know, in inverted commas, it saved the keeper because he he full, full on took what more out didn't he? They say what more was on the floor, poor axe. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a. I just thought the referee had a bit of a weird game. He let the game flow. I mean, you know, it wasn't many times he pulled it up and, and stopped and stopped playing. But yeah, they say I don't care. If he, he, he seemed he seemed to be a bit erratic with his bookings as well, booking people for literally nothing, you know, at times, and then letting you know, like you say, the the, the goalkeeper's challenge go, and he seemed a bit erratic with his decisions at times for me. I, I didn't. I thought he had. A, I thought he had a poor game. Yeah, they say. The fact that we've we've been talking more about the referee to the actual game, I think that says it all for me. And uh, I don't think I want to mention it much more. Now. I'll uh, I think I'll wrap it up and get you tried and get the match out of all of you. How are you, Steve? Who's your man of the match Saturday? On Saturday, I'll probably go. I think I'd have to go defender. I thought. I thought. Probably Dale Fry if I was if I was really pushed. I don't think anybody was outstanding. Um, I thought we're all much of a muchness. There were some poor performances on Saturday by attacking players. Um, but Dale Fry put his head on stuff and he cleared his lines without being the the cultured performance would really want from him. But I I would go with Dale Fry. Lovely, John. I come to you. Well, I said to you after the game that the only bright spot out of that performance on Saturday was the partnership that the two centre halves seemed to have. Uh, passing the ball, they weren't great, but defensively, I thought we were pretty solid. So I would have given it away to Fry or Lenahan, and because Steve said Fry, I'm going to say Lenahan. JD? Yeah, Dale Fry. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like it when we all have different opinions, but sometimes it, that's not the case. But yeah, I, I agree with Steve. Um, Dale Fry for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Dale Fry. I thought he did too much wrong, if anything. So, yeah, Dale Fry. Thank God that's wrapped that bit up, because, um, yeah, Saturday was a tough watch. So, we move on. Michael Carrick. We were singing about him on Wednesday. Um, you know, some fans weren't a fan of it. I weren't bothered. Um, finally signed his contract. Um, I presume Monday. Um, 
filter, the press to fear. Um, Joseph Woodgate, part of his back with their coaching staff. JD, before I come to watch your Woodgate deployments, you happy with Michael Carrick in charge? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I, I am. Um, like, like we've alluded to on previous podcasts, I don't think the list was um, uh, ever one that you could think of, oh, I want him, I want him. It, it, it was a poor list, to be honest, for, 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 for um, fans to, to mull over and think who would be best. So Michael Carrick, yeah, he's got, he's got vast experience um, playing. Uh, he's, he's been in and around the Man United coaching system for a, for a short while. It's a gamble, massive, massive gamble. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pleased we've got him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm pleased it's all the line. I think it's gone in a bit too long now. Um, as it was <clears throat> the 2nd of October, we sat while there, I think it was, day after, well, a couple of days after Coventry. Um, yeah, it's gone in too long for me. Steve, for another Walls End man to take over the job, what's your opinion on the boy? I'm really pleased uh, he's got the job, Michael Carrick. Um, as I said last week, he's picked a bunch, which wasn't probably difficult. Um, looking at uh, Carlos Corberan going to looks like West Brom, I think he was obviously in the mix for the Middlesbrough job. I think that's obviously quite obvious that he was in the thinking as well. I hope it's not another sliding doors moment. I hope we've, we've made the right one with Carrick. I think we have. He would be my choice. W- what I was really delighted about with Michael Carrick after watching his press conference today was he got he got a bit of a, a reputation of being quite dour you know quite quite quiet you know a little bit like persona what Brian Robson had in a little way you know the dour Geordie which I can get accused of as well of course that's that's just <laughs> standard that's just standard but I think he generally looks buzzing to be here he looks really happy his demeanour the way he spoke, he looked like it was a huge opportunity for him to be at Middlesbrough. He seemed to be looking at Middlesbrough as a big club with a big future, with big aspirations. He spoke well about the infrastructure, the chairman. And I, I thought, fair play to you. And if you've come across like that in your press conference, with all the cameras flashing and the media there, I'm sure you've had that type of impression on the players when you're in your own you know, own quiet moments as a coach. You must have been impressive to the players, which is what we want. We want that that managerial bounce. We want the players to buy into it and buy into who he is, what he can bring. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a real, a real good, good, you know, appointment. Um, we'll come back later on, I'm sure, and we'll talk about Kieran Scott and Jonathan Woodgate, so I'll leave that for later on. But as for Michael Carrick, he gets a thumbs up from me. Yeah, that's it. I think that's the most impressive. I mean, I've watched his press conference from the day. I watched his first interview yesterday as well. Um, most impressive thing about the first thing he said yesterday was, you know, he usually, you know, every manager obviously comes out with, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be here, Ollie. It's the fact he came out and said, this is the first club I joined as a boy. And I feel like I've come back to where it all started. So I think he feels that, you know, it's a perfect fit 
and it's every, everything's just come come together quite nicely. I think everybody's vision's all aligned. I think that was probably the most important thing. Everybody's got to be on the same page with this one. We couldn't afford to be, you know, one side thinks this, another side thinks that. So I think we had that under Wilder. So I'm I'm delighted that he's um he's got the same image, he's got the same sort of drive and, and push that the club has. So yeah, I'm absolutely delighted he's in charge. I really am. Uh, John, I'll come to you. What's your opinion of um, Michael Carrick taking the top job at the retire? Yeah, I think it's... Oh, we've, we've said on we, the last few weeks that the, the list was a bit underwhelming. He's had a good career. Uh, he comes across as a decent professional. He's never been any, any bother on that I can remember. Um, but let's not... Forget it, uh, like people are saying, his ex Man United have attracted someone decent here. We are a big, a big pull for anyone's first job. I don't care if you've played for Man United for 10 years or whatever, your first job in football is a pretty big championship side who are looking to get in the Premier League. It's a big step for him as well. So, although, like I say, we say about him and his pedigree, we're, we're a big, we're a big pull for anyone, and I've said that especially championship level and managers coming into the first job. So let's get, it's been done now. Let's get behind him and let's hope it works. But one thing that I hope is that the fans and the staff behind the scenes, he needs at least a year because he's got to get rid of players and bring in his own players. And you won't really see a manager's true style until after a year. You've got to let him bring his own players in and let's see what he can do. Let's be patient. Unless it goes really bad, like what it did with Woodgate, where it looked like we were going to go down. As long as we're mid-table and, and, and things are progressing, let's let's give him the time to implement things that he wants to implement. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about this every six months. So, yeah, we've um, stopped that um, that, that cycle of going in. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, there uh, we're, we're talking about managers every every six months. Now, so, you know, this is our you know four fifth appointment. In the last five seasons, it's it's a bit, you know, we talk about Watford doing it, but you know, it was starting to come to the case. You know, when it's starting to do it, I don't want that to be. I just, as, as you said, there he's got a massive pedigree coming to the club. He's a winner. He's a massive winner, which made me giggle because someone actually stopped me on Saturday and went, well, "What's he won?" I went, "Well, everything." He's literally won everything as a player in club football. He's won everything. So, you know, you can't doubt his pedigree. I just hope he's back by the club, like you said there, John. I hope he's back because if he's not, you know, it could be it could be a really tough, tough first job for him. But say the way he spoke with him, I thought he spoke really well. Like his vision is very clear. He knows what he wants to do. So and a picture a picture was released as well today by the club. It was very Lenny Lawrence esque, wasn't it? You know, had all the players in front of him. Also, obviously, you know, the backgrounds are completely different. You know, it was a, you know, a, a big, a complex room, you know, which, by the way, it looked like nothing there was falling asleep. Just putting that out there. Um, but it was, it had the same kind you know, sort of concept for me. They all looked, you know, he had their attention and he had three fingers up as well. So I'm hoping, right, that that means three up front. That'd be good, wouldn't it? It would be good. It would. It really would be good. You know, how often do you have it? You know, last I think the last manager to try it properly was Monk. 
Has he got a bit of success out of it? But obviously, we never got to see the full extent of what he could bring to the club. But, um, right, absolutely enough. Here we go. Um, so, he brought in Jonathan Woodgate to go alongside him. You know, it was rumoured to be Mike Phelan, Renny Mullenstein, I think Alex Bruce's name was mentioned in their time, John O'Shea has been mentioned. I know there's another coach uh, rumours it could be Adam Sadler, Adam Lester. So you could be leaving Brendan Rogers to join us. Um, no, not Sandler, Sadler. Uh, I'll start with you, John. You, you were... You, you put your honest opinion out to us last night. How do you feel about Woodgate coming back in to the fold? Well, look, like I said, I'm going to get behind it, but I couldn't believe it when I seen it, to be honest with you. Um, it was a big shock to me. Uh, someone who we, we sacked, what, two, three years ago, maybe a little bit longer, but... Uh, no, not for me. Like I know he's a T side and he cares about the club, but is that if that's enough to get a job, then we all well three out of the four of us will get appointed. Um, you know what I mean? But but yeah, it, it was a big shock for me and, and something that I'm not particularly happy with. But like you say, we go we go with it and let's see what they can do together. Yeah. Uh, JD, I'll come to you because you were quite vocal and obviously you're a kidney as well. You know what are your thoughts on the. Uh... The uh, the seaside again is jump back at the club. It, it just it was a it was a a ball from the blow for me. Um, I didn't expect it. Uh, I've got to ask the question: Was it Carrick's choice? Um, I, I don't know. He said it was today. He said in his press conference it was a no brainer. Uh, so I have to take it uh, take it that it was. But it was just. Yeah, it, it was one of those unbelievable moments uh, when when I heard, um, and I'll get behind the management team, of course, because I want the team, I want the football team to do well, I want the club to progress. But I, 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 I'll say that if things don't go well, Woodgate will be in for a lot of stick off a lot of fans. Um, you know, because I don't think his appointment has gone down particularly well. But I want him to prove me wrong. I, I want him to do well um, in in that management team with Michael Carrick and whoever else comes in. I want the team to do well. Um, and so I can turn around in six months' time and say... I was wrong. I'll hold my hands up. I don't mind that. But I'll still get behind the team every game. Um, but I, I, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of the news, shall we say, of Woodgate's appointment. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of fans have come. Just, just listen to you obviously speak there, JJ. It reminds us, it reminds me anyway, of one of our very first podcasts, if you can think all the way back, because Woodgate just got the job then, and we were all saying, I hope he proves us wrong. Does this feel exactly the kind of same situation again? You know, he's, I wouldn't say he's starting on the back foot, but, you know, he's, he's not fans, you know, favourite flavour to come back in. So, so weird. 
Well, um, obviously, Michael Carrick's going to be uh, the main man. He, he you know, w- Woodgate is there as his assistant. But you just, you just know that a lot of fans will blame Woodgate if things, if results don't improve, if performances don't improve. I don't want that to happen, obviously. Um, and, and like I say, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to it. I question as to the appointment, whose decision was it? Yeah, I, I, I know, I bet, well, I read, I listened to what Carrick said, because he said it again, he said it last night as well, it was a no-brainer. He's been speaking to him for a good week, two weeks. So it's obvious that this appointment was in the pipelines, you know, he was progressing along. But I say, I'm, I'm like you, I, I just thought it was a bit of a weird one. We've gone from him rumoured to be bringing in massive experience and winners, you know, that's, that's not, you know, that's not pissed about with it, with winners in Mike Freeland and Rennie Muhlenstein. When Michael Carrick was winning everything as a player, they were in the coaching staff, they were doing everything alongside Fergie, you know, they've got the experience, you know, tenfold of what, you know, anybody else has got. I just thought it was a bit of a, like you like said, a bit of a weird one, a bit of a weird appointment who will get a come in. Um, Steve, what's your opinion on the uh, the whole situation? Well, as Jonathan Woodgate is a red and he hates Geordies, you'll probably be a little bit surprised he's going to get a little, a little bit, a little bit of support from me, um, because I thought he was really hung out to dry for the club when he was here as a manager. I thought, by all accounts, he's a very, very good coach. And that's why he got the job. He always comes across well on TV. And I think he had some good ideas when he first took over, but he didn't have the playing squad. And if you look, he brought in Mark Bowl as a cheap signing. He brought in Anthony Dagesdale as a cheap signing. He developed Hayden, Hayden Coulson. He developed um, Jed Spence. He, he brought Marcus Tavernier on a hell of a lot. So he has got a lot of qualities, but I think he was hung out, hung out to dry by the club because he had no experience alongside him to guide him when he first took over and didn't have the squad. And I, he, I think he just lost his way. And then COVID come in as well, which didn't help things. So I think a lot of things went against him. And he, he left Middlesbrough, you know, I think he was rightly sacked, by the way. We needed the change. I think we would have went down under him and he was rightly so removed. But he come back at Bournemouth and done well at them and got them into the playoffs and by all accounts, he was really, really highly thought of down Bournemouth. And I, I, Steve Gibson really, really rates him as a coach. And behind the scenes, a lot of people rate what he's trying to do and how he got the under-21s playing. So I can sort of see why they brought him back if he's got the same sort of philosophy as um, Michael Carrick. Because Michael Carrick spoke today in his press conference about how he knows Woodgate. They're not best pals, but they know each other from years ago. And they've spoke at length the last few weeks and they've got a similar philosophy of how they want to push Middlesbrough in terms of playing and moving forward and bringing through the youngsters. So I think there is a few positives to look at there. My concern is it's happening a third through the season. We're fourth bottom. And what went wrong for Woodgate was he was hung out to dry with Robbie Keane alongside him and no experience. And we're looking at us now, we've brought in Michael Carrick, who's basically what Jonathan Woodgate was three years ago, 
alongside Jonathan Woodgate, who's the man that took, was going to take with down, and we haven't got that experience alongside them. So I think, which they've said today, and they've said it in statements, they are looking to appoint an experienced coach to come in with them. If we do get that experienced coach, and they've, they've mentioned um, different coaches, you know, Rennie Muhlenstein and um, the Man United coach, Mike Feeling, they mentioned him. You know, if they get somebody of that ilk alongside Woodgate and Carrick to guide them, I think it actually could be a really, really good setup. But I won't be settled as a fan until they get that that that, that appointment in. Because I said on the last podcast, the appointment of an experienced coach in older head alongside Carrick is almost as important as getting Carrick. So I you know, judging Woodgate now on his own alongside Carrick, it's a risk, yeah. But I think if they get the experienced coaching alongside the two of them, they could bounce off each other with really good ideas tactical wise. And I think it could it could end up it's good it's gonna go one way one way or the other. But for me, experience comes in, it could end up being a really good decision by Steve Gibson. Um that's just my take. I might be completely wrong and come back on and look silly, but I think it could end up working, but time will tell. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, like you said there, I think we do need a bit of experience behind it because I remember when Brian Robson started at the club. Obviously, he got he brought he brought in. Um, obviously, he had Viv Anderson with him. He had Gordon McQueen with him as well. You know, Gordon McQueen had a hell of a lot of experience in football, and he helped him a lot as well, didn't he? You know, he, he pushed him through them first early years. Obviously, got his promotion in his first full season in charge. You know, yes, we had our relegations with him, but the bounce was with him, you know, he, he, he grew with the job as well, obviously, you know, when Terry Venables came in, we got knew it was over, but, you know, he had experience behind him and I feel that, you know, when you look at managers starting out, they've got something behind them and I think that's what Carrick needs, just, just, you know, just a more experienced older voice just to say, you know, whatever decision he's about to make, just have a little think, just to make sure you, you know, you, you, you're confident with that. And then, you know, it's just, I just think a bit, a bit of experience, and like you, like you said, Steve, it'll calm the fans down as well. Because I think we're all waiting for, you know, that that experience said to come in. So it, it's think, slightly, it's slightly worried is in his press conference that Curry kept mentioning bringing through young players, and he got his chance at West Ham uh, as a young player under Harry Redknapp and stuff. And he's, he, he's happy if you're old enough, you're good enough. And I get that. And I'm sure moving forward, that's a great way to go because Middlesbrough's got a great academy. But we're fourth bottom at the minute. And I think like I think in January, he needs to be backed by Steve Gibson and bring in a couple of decent players that are going to push what on and better with starting 11 to push what on up the league. I'll be concerned if that doesn't happen. And we're looking to go down... What, what I just said before, the Woodgate route, which was Woodgate and Keane, which could be the new Carrick in Woodgate, in pushing on young players into the team. Now is not the time to do that, by the way. Now is not the time. We need to be looking, pushing up that table and getting out of trouble and strengthening in January. Now is not the time to sort of take a gamble by not spending in January and pushing young players into this team. We really, really need to get our house in order and get up that table. And I think if, if Michael Carrick this season can finish... You know, even if we don't make the playoffs and we can finish ninth, tenth, eleventh, 
I think fans would accept that for his for his for his first season. You know, what 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 we can't have is getting stuck in that bottom six into the last eight nine games of the season with young players in the side. Well, well, the, the thing is, um, we had Wilder um, for almost a year, and he had vast experience in the championship, and he never brought, he never really pushed any youngsters on a regular basis into the first team. So with his experience, he obviously didn't think the youngsters were quite ready yet to 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 become first team regulars. Um, it, I know we've had Brentford in 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 the cup under uh, Warnock. We had a few few players play there. We've had a few players under Wilder in the earlier rounds of the um, the Carabao Cup or the EFL Cup, whatever it's called. Um, but the current crop of youngsters, uh, Wilder didn't think in his experience he didn't think that they were good enough to promote to the first team yet so like you say it would be a big gamble if uh, if Carrick and Woodgate went down that route um I, I, I'm, I'm like you Steve I I, um, I I want us to see is just just make progress um Better performances, better results. We, we don't have to be brilliant. Results are more important than performances at the moment. We need to get away from from that um, from that bottom zone. I mean, you know, we want place above the drop zone, and it's it's um, it's worrying. I know it's only October, and there's a hell of a lot of the season to go, but I, I still feel a little bit uncomfortable with how our performances have been so far. So. I, I just hope that he can get a, a tune out of the current first-team players who are possibly, um, who just lost the edge a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, I, say, I, know, I know you're saying that it's, you know, it's only October, but it's a, it's a bit different this year, isn't it? Obviously, there's a World Cup break in between, so you don't want to go into that part of that bottom four, do you? So I think it's going to kick on a little bit. Um, but, yeah. I think, you know, we just got to get behind them, I think, haven't we? So, you know, it's got... It's, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's 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 going to be a tough period for him, I say, which moves on nicely to, obviously, our preview for Saturday, you know, a trip to Preston. But, but uh, before you go on, Steve, yeah, before you go on, can I... Can just just a question for, for you three. What, what, what did you think of Kieran Scott's comments today? Oh, yes. I wanted to mention that, yeah. Go on, I'll let you lads answer first. I'll 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 tell you what because I, I put it down because I watched the press conference today. I, I thought it was that was it was it was the main part of the press conference to me it wasn't particularly what Carrick said or Neil Bowser. It was actually what Kieran Scott said, and I thought it was really telling regarding the relationship between Kieran Scott and 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 the previous manager, shall we say? Yeah. So so, I I what 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 Kieran Scott said was. I think it's a big day for the for the club because I feel we've got to the point where we have brought in a head coach who wants to work and operate in a way in which I think we should. And when I meet I met Stephen Neil 40 months ago, that's how they wanted it to work. 
he was then asked the question, what does stability look like for you, Kieran? And he said, stability looks like a manager who is ready for the long haul. And I don't say that loaded, but sometimes you can come in with an ambition to move quickly. Now, to me, that sounded very, very telling on their relationship between him and Chris Wilder. So what do you guys think? Well, to shame someone didn't ask Kieran who appointed Chris Wilder, because if I remember rightly, at the press conference, just before Wilder got appointed, uh, Scott was saying that he was heavily involved. So, therefore, he's been missing for X amount of months. And then suddenly, because we appoint a new manager, he's he's appearing out the woodwork today. So, for me, he's partially to blame. He has had to go at him there and insinuated that Wilder was looking at other jobs possibly and didn't want to be here. But if that was the case, why did we keep him for so long? We should have got rid of him after Burnley because that would have been breach of contract, surely. Then we wouldn't have had to pay him off like we have done two months later and paid up his contract. So if that is the case, Scott's as much to blame as anybody else because he helped appoint him. Yeah. Um, JD, I'll let you go before I speak. Well, it... it, it... It was interesting, you know, that the, the talk about um, long-term uh, vision. Um, but we've had nine managers in nine seasons, haven't we, or something like that? Um, yeah. So we, we've, had, we've had nothing long-term, so to speak. Um, so, so, yeah, the, the, the differences between Wilder and... Um, shall we say, the club hierarchy became more and more apparent uh, the, the, the longer um, this season went on. It, it, there was clearly something not right. We, we, we said this, you know, early doors in, in the podcast, you know, that it, so, there was something missing. We couldn't put our finger on it, but you just felt that things weren't right. And, and, and you know, he's w- without coming out and telling particular um, anecdotes. He's, he's virtually spelled that out uh, today, hasn't he, uh, uh, Kieran Scott? Um, but, but yeah, I mean, as, a, as, of, as of yet, he hasn't really covered himself in glory, Kieran Scott, you know, so I think we need a bit more from him as well. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd, I'd go with that. I thought... I thought... If I want to start positively, I thought Kieran Scott spoke really well today. Um, I say it's obvious his vision for what he wants to do with the club is, you know, no one's going to stop what he wants to do. Um, but as I say, it all went wrong in April, didn't it? When obviously the, the Burnley link started coming out for Chris Wilder, I just, I just thought, you know. If that, if that, if it was as serious as what it's now sounding, it's like they say, you know, let's get, let's get it right. Them, them comments from Scott today were they were they were sly dicks, they were big dicks at Wilder, and um, I just feel that they should have just nipped it in the bud, like John said, just just nip it in the bud there and then and say, no, you know, you breached your contract, you shouldn't have supported them, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be sniffing around that. As much as you were, you know, if that's how you want to be, you know, there's the door. You know, you're not, you're not as great as we all thought you would be off your pop. It's not, it's not, just, it's not just that, though. 
it's not just that, is it? When he appointed him last year, Keegan Scott surely in the meetings will have said to Wilder, the model we want to do is a bit similar to Norwich. We're going to bring in young players. We're going to develop them, hopefully sell them for a profit while being successful. So when Wilder's heard that, he either takes the job or he doesn't or says to him, I've got concerns. That's not the route I want to go to. So then that makes you question why Scott advocated for him to be appointed in the first place. So Scott himself today has actually criticised himself without criticising himself. We can all read into it. He can have a go at Wilder all he wants. He helped appoint him. I, so think, explain, I, th- I think you're right. To the manager that you're appointing and let them know what the situation is and what we want as a club. I think I think the you're right. Is, you've, all, you've all got good points and I, I, I agree with them, to be fair. I think Kieran Scott has got to take a little bit of the blame in terms of the, you know, the Wilder appointment and the players that he's brought the club himself, you know. Um, however, you know, just going to give a shout out to our, to our friend from the Gazette, Craig Johns, who I thought done some excellent reporting and, you know, had some excellent articles lately regarding Middlesbrough's search for a new manager and what they're looking for. And, and, and you know, I think he's a fabulous journalist who responds to all the fans' questions and he tries to reply to everybody and sometimes he's getting a little bit of stick. But I think he's a, a great journalist who's really trying hard to, to you know, to be there for the Middlesbrough fans to give to give answers to questions that maybe most journalists wouldn't bother even answering. So I just want to say well done to Craig Johns for that. I think he's been superb since he's come in. Uh, you know, let's be honest, he's he's our favourite Mackham as I'm the favourite Geordie, and he's I think he's been superb. He's been on the podcast. He's great company, as you know. But I think he's reporting lately, and his articles have been absolutely spot on. And one article he's done recently. He was what he was what he was trying to say regarding Kieran Scott was I think what happened with Wilder, he come in agreed, and Kieran Scott wanted Wilder, like you've said, John. But as Wilder's tenure at the club went went on, in Middlesbrough were doing quite well. The recruitment policy that Wilder had agreed to when he first come started to change. And he started to have wanted to have more say in bringing his old players, and he was wanting like this summer apparently was wanting older players who were 32, 33 to come in, which wasn't what the agreement was when he first came to the club. And he seemed to take the huff a little bit in the summer when they brought in Force and Hoppy against, I think it was McGoldrick was one of his targets from Sheffield United, who was 32, 33. And I think that's when the relationship between him and Kieran Scott in the club started to sour. So... I think there's been a little bit of a change in Wilder and obviously what you said before, the link with Burnley, that's where the, the relationship with the club and Wilder went went south, you know? Yeah, well, well Steve, to be honest, Steve, you saw you saw this week um, how a manager deals with speculation about his job. The QPR manager linked to Wolves a move to the Premier League. Now, he just dismissed that and he come out and he, and he, he, he made a statement that I thought was superb. You know, it, it, it was, there was no ambiguity. It was crystal clear. He just said, no, I want to be in the Premier League, but I want to be there with QPR. Wilder could have done that. Absolutely. But Wilder could have done that. And, and that's what we all any... wanted at the time, wasn't it? That's what we all wanted at the time. Yeah. You just wouldn't do it, yeah. would you? You wouldn't and do it. it. The, reason he, the reason he didn't do it, he, he said, uh, why do I need to do that? You know, as if, 
to say, well, you know that I'm happy here. Why, why do I need to do that? Well, I'm sorry, but you should have done really. That QPR manager has, has come out of, of, of that situation. Um, their fans love him even more now. Yes, he's gotten to the top of the league, but he had the chance uh, to go a big money move to Wolves. But do you know what? He said, no, they've shown faith and loyalty in me. I'm going to show loyalty in them. And the fans love that. And that's what that's what Wilder could have done here. But because he didn't, there was always that nagging doubt. You lost, you lost faith. You lost, you lost faith at that point, John. And like you said before, loyalty is a big thing with supporters. And and, and Wilder was really taken by the Middlesbrough fans. Really took a Wilder, and you know he had the backing of the fans every game and big numbers chanting his name. And you know, is he ever going to get that back again now? I think, so I think, you, I think, I think he looked back, Chris Wilder, and regret his actions at this club. So what you what you're just saying there is all all good and well. So Chris Wilder has nothing to do with this football club anymore. So after we sacked him, why didn't Kieran Scott come out and say uh, one of the reasons that he's gone is not just performances on the pitch. It's what we spoke about when I first appointed him. His views have changed, so we weren't aligned. What well, I, 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 think, I, think today, I think today's comments, this is the first time Kieran Scott has spoke, as far as I'm concerned, since he's been appointed. And I think that's what those comments were what aimed at, basically. I think that's what he's trying to tell the supporters. I know, but instead of trying to tell us, just come out and say it then. He's, he's, been, missing, he's been completely missing since we appointed Wilder. Completely missing. So it's all right. It's all right when things are going well. But when things aren't going well and we're we're on a podcast discussing, speculating, he's not at the club anymore. He could have come out and said the previous manager was touting himself for other jobs or, like I said earlier, the previous manager uh, wasn't on board with what we discussed originally when he came in. It's just nothing. It's silence. And he doesn't need to be silent. He's not at the club anymore. But, but should, 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 should we be hearing? Shouldn't we be hearing this from Kieran Scott? I'd like to hear from Steve Gibson. Well, Kieran Scott's the head of football, so if Kieran Scott's the one who's had a lot to do with the point Wilder in the first place, then I think it's Kieran Scott. He's getting paid to do that job. He's the one who should be coming out and talking. I, I don't expect the chairman to be out every blooming couple of months talking. You don't see a lot of other chairmen doing it, but Kieran Scott should be coming out and and letting the fans know what's going on. We don't need, we're never going to find out the exact details of everything. I don't want him to come out and slag Wilder off, but for him to come out and say, right, originally when we appointed him, we wanted to promote youth, make money on transfers, and possibly challenge for the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. The manager's uh, views on that changed. It was, um, uh, we couldn't agree on things going forward. We couldn't see any future in it, so we had to let him go. What's wrong with saying that? Nothing. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that was that was something I was going to go on to and say. You know, he's. I know I started. I said I'll start positive and say I, I thought he spoke really well because he did about the vision accessories. He did speak really well, but as I say, like you've all said, he contradicted himself so much. Um, you know, it, you know, it's it's just it's been like you said there, so he's been too quiet. For me, um, I'm not expecting to explain every single step he makes on the morning, how he makes his tea, how he drives to work. I don't, I don't care about all that, but I just feel the last few weeks the whole club's just been a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a, a bit of a muddle and a bit of a mystery around it. I just feel that it's gone on a bit too long. All he had to do was come out and say, like you said, then we sat down, we had a disagreement, 
you know, he, you know, the, his vision wasn't with ours. He, he didn't see what we saw going forward, and we had to pull the plug. And it was as simple as that. To, to, to give a to give a positive on the press conference today, just to wrap it up before we move on to the the game on Saturday, I would say it was great for once to see Middlesbrough Football Club have a press conference with three people sitting at the table. You had Neil Bowser, you know, and you had Kieran Scott alongside the manager. And for, that's the first time it's happened in a long time at Middlesbrough Football Club where you've had people speaking from the hierarchy, the, the, the head of recruitment, from the first team manager. And I'd like to think moving forward, lessons have been learnt now. And we might move forward now where we're going to get that every time we'll have a big you know, press conference. There's going to be more than the manager fronting up. There's going to be other people available to speak on a more Kieran, regular basis. Kieran Scott, in my opinion, should be involved in at least one press conference every month with the manager, especially during the transfer windows and season. And all right, I don't want to come out and name players that we've bid for and what we're doing, but to come out and say, right, we're a bit short here, we're looking into this direction. It's not about money or anything like that. It's about where the club's going. We've all been disillusioned this season. And uh, like you say, the the, th- the thing for me is is that he's been missing for near enough a full year. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to round it off. You know, I, I will round it off by saying I thought the best part was that Neil Bowser spoke very minimally. He kept his mouth shut and he he, he, he sat there like a good boy. And I've said this before, and I'll, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He is given restrictions by the owner of this football club of what we can spend and what we can't spend. It's not it's not championship manager where you can just go out and spend money on players. It's about the future of the club. So if he goes out and says, if Gibson says to him we can spend 10 grand on a player and he goes out and offers him 15 grand and the same with the next player, we're going to end up in a mess like Derby County or, or what this club was in 1986. We signed over 10 players in the summer. So to say that he's not doing his job, it's not true. He's not picking the players. He's literally offering them contracts that he's allowed to offer them. It's ridiculous all the stick he gets. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I partly agree with you. Um, but in my opinion, that is, by the yeah. way, my opinion. But it's, as any CEO knows, the book stops with him. Uncle Neil's a lovely lad, really. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I'm, I'm loving Feisty John tonight. He's class. Feisty. Up for it. I like it. Oh. Like I say all the time, boys, we all want the same thing. Sometimes we disagree. It's fair enough. It's what it's all about. Oh, Absolutely. I, I've agreed with everything you've said, by the way. I just love your passion. Thank you. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's exactly what we all want. It's, um, yeah, you know, we all want success. And that's, you know, that's what we're all, we're all here for. And, um, Listen, yeah. we're going to get there. We will get there. It might not be this season. It might not be next season. But we've followed this football club for long enough to know that we'll get highs and lows. The bad, the good times make the bad times worthwhile. We all know that. That's why we follow them all around the country. Exactly. Absolutely. And that, that, that bounces nicely towards Saturday. Because, as you said there, we do follow them all around the country. And we are back on the road again Saturday. Um, JD's back with us. Um Hello. Um, JJ on the road to Preston Saturday. It's um it's a tough start for, for Carrick. Say, you pulled a start out for us before we went on well, I was to say went on air, but you know, before we started recording. Um really off for us. 
No, I, I just asked, you know, our previous uh, managers, uh, other clubs seem to get a new manager bounce. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I, I can't remember how, uh, quite a few of our previous managers um, being successful in their first game. Yeah, I mean, to cut it short, not very. Um, I think there's only Neil Warnock that's uh, won their first game in the last um, six or seven managers. So it's uh, it's not it's not the you know the, the job to take if you want a winning start. Uh, should be safe, but um, no, I say we'll be on the road on Saturday, JD. It's going to be a assume it should be another great trip. But I think. He'll get a big following behind him now, won't he? I think a few more tickets will get sold, a few more fans will be behind the ball again. And Preston aren't prolific scorers. So that for me, that gives us a bit of confidence to go out there and try and get um try and get a few goals. Or am I just talking out my backside? No, no, no. I mean, um I just hope, you know, like I say, he can he can lift lift the current players um out of a, a bit of a subdued spell, I would say, you know, that give them back a bit of edge. Um, and I'm looking forward to Saturday. I'm looking to fo- forward to see the players react. Well, that's it. That's, you know, it's, it's got to be a reaction now, hasn't it? You know, for me, managers come in and he said, Carrick said today, you know, you know, I'll get to know the players in the next few days, weeks. I think I start on Saturday. I know you'll say, you know get to know as the week goes on this week, but that starts Saturday because it's, it's proper game mode. You know what I mean? You you're in game mode. You know this is what you like in competition. And I feel I, I do feel that if you're not on the ball, you're not giving hundred percent. I I do feel that Carrick will call you and say, I don't want you anywhere near it. So is it? I just I just hope that he he sticks with that because it, it gives the players a bit of a boost. Because, um, as I say, we don't usually have the new manager bounce, but I, I really want it this time. I really do want it. They say it'd be just mega for you know whatever it is, two, three thousand that'll be on the road on Saturday behind that goal, going absolutely nuts like we all did at Wigan. I think it'd just be a, it'd be it'd be mega just to see, you know, and show Carrick that, that you know, that, you know, that this is what he's got for the rest of the season. He's got our full back in in numbers. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a good start to a, a good relationship. But um, John, up to you. What are you expecting from Preston Saturday? I think it'll be a tough game. Uh, I say it every week. There's no easy, no easy games in a championship. But I mean, you laughed last week when I said we'll put four past Wigan, which we did. I'm I'm pretty confident that we're gonna. I, I I think we'll go there on Saturday, and I think we'll put on a decent performance. The players who I've questioned and criticised heavily this season for lack of effort. I think a new manager that will be trying to prove a point to him and show that they're worthy of being in the team to impress the manager. And I'm going to go for a 3-1 victory. A bit more subdued than last week, I think. Yeah, I'd probably go with that. I'll give mine in a minute. But um, Steve, I'll come to you. You know, thoughts on Saturday, what you're expecting, what's your, what's your feelings, thoughts about the game that we're going to be going into? Um, I think it's a tough game, as it all are. Ryan Lowe's good manager. Preston play, you know, three at the back. 
they have a, the two up front. Uh, they've got Emil Reese, who we were after, you know, in the summer for six million pounds. But they, they struggle to score goals, um, and we struggle to score goals. So I think it'll be a tight game. I think it'll be a goal in it. So I'll go with Middlesbrough one nil. But I, I think it'll be a really, really tough game. Um, I'm hoping that because Carrick's now in charge, it's going to, you know, put more numbers on the Borough away end um, and, and make it more like a home game for him. Um, I know last year was a disaster going down there. The last day of the season got hammered. But I don't think it'll be like that this time. I think it'll be a real cagey game. Um, they, they're coming off a big hammering to the local rivals, Blackpool, so their confidence can't be, can't be great. And I, I think it's a game that, I think probably Preston in Middlesbrough, both before the game, would both take a draw. And for that reason, I think it'll be a tight game. But I'm just going to go that the Middlesbrough way supporters will roll over the line and we'll just nick it by the odd goal. So I'll go 1-0, Borough. There you go. John, I'll come, JJ, I'll come to you. Obviously, um, you know, you've been your thoughts on the game. What, give me a star prediction. You know, I know you're quite positive about these kind of things. Yeah, I, it, it's... It, Two teams who who, um, who don't score that many um, on a regular basis. Um, so one nil was going to be my score as well. So I'm going to stick to that. I'm not going to change it. So yeah, one nil the butter. Yeah, we I, both I, can't I, be wrong, John Camber. <laughs> the answer to that is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was way far far down. It's been quite quick, quite but. No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say two 0 Saturday. I think as I say, it'll be a tough game. They're coming off a, a tough defeat at the weekend. They say it's um be a tough one for them to swallow, getting beat by uh, Blackpool the way they did. Um I say I watched I watched some of the game um back from Saturday. Obviously I wanna try and catch as much as possible of the opponents now and um as I say Blackpool were just dominant. I know they have they've got a good young player, which I'll discuss in a couple of weeks. We do our Blackpool preview, but um, yeah, Preston were just second best on Saturday, and I think they'll want to bounce back so quickly, and uh, they'll see us as a good opportunity to do so. But I just feel, as I say, with the, the army behind the goal, um, a bit of a bounce to us. Um, I just think we'll, I just think we'll have too much from. I think two 0 butter. Um, I just hope it's a a winning start. You know, Neil Longwell had it. He's, he's the only one in the past six or seven that has. So I just hope that Marco Carrick can follow on and get that three points as well to get him started. But um, yeah, and on that positive positive note, um, I'll leave I'll leave it there, um, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Steve. You're still our favourite joining for now, um, but there's a there's a big risk. There's a big risk now. Um, so I'll t- I'll take I'll take the demotion if he's if he does well. I'll take the demotion. Don't worry about that. Exactly, you know, it's a, it's it's going to be a worthy second place if you if, if you have to. But let's be honest, I'm, I'm never going to be the third worst, Jordy, am I? So come on, third best, on man. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you very much for popping on. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, thank you for listening, subscribing, liking, commenting. Um, if you want to come on and have a chat with us. You know, you're always free to do so. Um, and yeah, we'll have a chat next week. Um, hopefully, with another three points on the board and a winning start for Michael Carrick. So, 
I'll leave it there. Arrivederci. Up the borough. We see you soon. Up the borough. Up the borough. Cheers, lads. All the best up the borough.